Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I don't know about you, but I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I appreciate the five of you that also, I believe in miracles. I believe that God does miracles. In in fact, you cannot be a Christian if you don't believe in miracles. Because the very movement of Christianity, it's predicated on miracles. It's founded on miracles. All 66 books in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, are recordings of miracles after miracles after miracles. Some of my favorite miracles in the Old Testament, uh, I'll give you my number one favorite miracle of all the miracles in the Bible. Creation. Because if it wasn't for that, you and I wouldn't be here. That's a miracle. How do you know it's a miracle when God creates everything out of nothing? That is an absolutely cool miracle. And... I love the miracle of the Red Sea, parting the Red Sea. I love parting the, there's another river, a water, the the Jordan River was parted. I love the miracle of the Ten Commandments. If you don't know that's a miracle, go read the story uh, in Exodus. I I love the miracle of God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. I love the miracle of God speaking to Balaam through a jackass. That's pretty dope. Look at somebody and tell them, if God can speak through a jackass, he can definitely speak through you. Come on, tell somebody right now. You know that's big facts right there. That's big facts. If God can use a jackass, he can use you. I love the miracle of God making the axe head float. It's a cool miracle. I love the miracle of Daniel in the lion's den. I love the miracle that I touched base a little bit last week on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. In the New Testament, it's filled with miracles. I love the miracles of Jesus. His his first miracle is he turned water into wine. And I know some of you Scottsdale people love that one. Yeah, winos. Yeah. I love that Jesus, he, he healed the sick, he healed the blind, he healed the deaf, he healed the mute, he healed the name, the lame, he, he delivered the demon possessed. You know, Jesus raised dead people back to life. He, he didn't just himself raise back to life. He, 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 raised, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jairus' daughter he raised from the dead. I don't know if you know this or remember the story, but when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, the Bible says that dead people rose from the cemetery and went into Jerusalem and appeared to many. Would that be just crazy? Like he dies and all of a sudden you're like, grandpa, what are you doing here? That's cool, man. You know what I'm saying? This is some crazy stuff. And he himself rose from the dead. What I'm saying is I believe, I believe in miracles. You cannot be a Christian without believing in the miraculous because Christianity is predicated on the very belief in miracles. And I don't just believe in the miracles in the Bible. I believe that God does modern day miracles. He he still does miracles today because I've witnessed the countless miracles of God. If you came to church today and you need a miracle, I want you to know that I believe that 
God can heal your body. I believe that God can restore, renew, and revive your marriage. I believe that God can reach your prodigal child. I believe that God sets addicts free. I believe that God can heal the brokenhearted. I believe that God can give you a supernatural peace and joy. I believe that God can turn your life into complete 180 because he did it for me. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Look at somebody and tell them he can do it for you. He can do it for you. Because he is the miracle. Would you say it out loud? He is the miracle. Tell somebody, he is the miracle. He is the miracle. None of this is even my sermon. But I'm about to get to it. If you're ready, say it's about time. Come on. I, I want to start reading from John chapter 4. And, uh, and I'm going to read starting in verse 3. And it says this. So Jesus left Judea. And he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had gone through Samaria. Somebody say Samaria. That's important. Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Verse 8, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Now it's important to understand some background to this story because Jesus, he left Judea to return to Galilee by route of Samaria. And this is insightful information because it gives us insight to the very nature of Jesus Christ himself because Jews typically avoided Samaria and Samaritans altogether. The reason was they had history. They had beef. They had a past together. There was a deep dislike between the Jews and the Samaritans there was a lot of animosity between these two. The Samaritan people, they were considered idolatrous, idolatrous half-breeds. They were considered half-breeds who defiled the Jews' true religion. They were half-Jew and they were half-Gentile. They were half-breeds made up of a mix of Judaism and outside religions or customs or even partly made up religions and customs. The Samaritans, they were spiritually corrupt pagans who created a religion for themselves and they changed the scriptures in the Hebrew Bible to fit their religion. The Samaritans, they rejected Jewish traditions. They set up their own religious system their own temple for worship, their own version of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, with their own religious rituals. And this got me thinking. There's a lot of modern day Samaritans around the world today. 
There's a lot of people making up their own religions. There's a lot of people that are creating new and false versions of Christianity. They make the Bible fit their lifestyle instead of making their lifestyle fit the Bible. There's a lot of people, instead of building their lives into the Bible, they're building a Bible that fits their lives. Some people are spiritual half-breeds. Even worse, some of them aren't even half-breeds. They're quarter-breeds. They're eighth-breeds. They embrace some of the Bible, the parts that work for them, and they exclude the parts that don't work for them. They exclude some of the Ten Commandments, but include others. Yes, I believe you shall not murder, but adultery, I'm having an affair right now. Y'all came to get wasted right now, right? We're about to get drunk on the Holy Ghost. You ready for this? See, they want the blessings of God, but they don't want their lifestyles to bless God. They want God's goodness, but they refuse to be good to God. Tell somebody right now, he's talking about the third service. Thank God, not us. Third service needs help. But you know, when I preach this another time, it's going to be about you. I'm going to tell them, thank God, they're preaching the second service. Modern day Sumerians. But that's not even what I'm preaching on today either. This is insightful. Isn't it? Because Jesus goes through Samaria and not only through Samaria, he went to Jacob's well, a historic landmark in Samaria. He's not only in Samaria at Jacob's well, but he starts a conversation with the Samaritan woman. You know, one of the things I love about Jesus, and I want you to write this down because I think it's something that we all need to apply to our own lives. I love That Jesus was a bridge builder. He was a bridge builder. He built bridges between people, tribes, races, nations. Listen, he tore down walls and he built up bridges. Instead of building up walls of hate and pointing out all the differences, we need to build walls of love and look at all the similarities. Jesus didn't just die for a certain person. He didn't die for a certain person. He died for every person. He didn't just die for one race. He died for the human race. He didn't just die for one nation. He died for every nation. There's a scripture that gives us a glimpse into heaven. And I love it. It's in Revelation 3 verses 9 and 10. And it says, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Every nation, all tribes, all peoples, all languages, Jesus was a bridge builder and he didn't just build bridges between people and races and nations. He became the bridge between God and mankind by way of the cross at Calvary. First Timothy two, it says Jesus wants all people, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth for there is one God 
and one mediator between God and mankind. That man is Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus is the man who gave himself as a ransom. Somebody say ransom. A ransom for all people. Because he is the miracle. He is the miracle. Come on, say it out loud. He is the miracle. He died for the Jew and the Gentile. He built bridges, not walls. Listen, Jesus wasn't afraid to show love to the outcasts of society. Jesus wasn't afraid to be seen with considered enemies. Jesus wasn't afraid to be seen with tax collectors. Jesus wasn't afraid of lepers whom everyone was afraid of. I want to read to you this story about Jesus and a leper in Luke chapter 5, if you'll look at it with me, in verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. He saw Jesus and he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him and he said, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? And Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man and he said, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now it's important to understand that leprosy in the times of Jesus was no joke. Leprosy was a deadful, dreadful, contagious disease. It was a skin disease that caused your skin and even your bones to rot and just fall off your body. But leprosy was far more than a skin disease. Leprosy attacked the nervous system of a human being. So when someone's blind, they can't see. When someone's deaf, they can't hear. When someone had leprosy, they can't feel. The infected parts of their body would go numb and lose sensitivity. They would lose their nerve. And leprosy's nearly non-existent today. But we suffer from a different type of leprosy. We suffer from a spiritual leprosy in the world we live in today. We live in a world that's lost its nerve. We live in a world that's lost its sensitivity to the things of God. We live in a world that's gone numb to biblical truths and values and morals. We live in a world that's lost its ability to feel or even recognize the presence and the power of God. So leprosy was for real. In fact, lepers would be forced to live on the outskirts of their towns, cut off completely from their families because of the threat that they were to their families. They were feared, they were shunned, they were rejected, they were treated as the low lives of society. Now imagine Jesus near this leper. And I love so much about Jesus that when everybody else is walking out on you, Jesus is walking in on you. I love that Jesus is not afraid to go where others are afraid of. Imagine for a minute, Jesus walking in, he's walking along and there's a man with leprosy. The leper sees him. He's heard about him. He's heard about the miracles He wants his own miracle. He's heard that Jesus is the miracle. He wishes he could get near Jesus. He wishes he could be healed by Jesus. But Jewish law wouldn't allow this man 
to even come close to Jesus. Because according to the Jewish law, a leper, as somebody approached them, would have to shout and yell, unclean, unclean, Jesus, I'm unclean. Don't come near me. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. But Jesus keeps walking toward the man. Unclean, Jesus. Unclean. Don't come any closer or you'll become unclean. And Jesus comes face to face with the leper. And the Bible says that this man fell with his face to the ground. And he begged him, Lord, if you are willing. You can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand. And he touched the man. In the Greek it says that he embraced the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. If you're willing Jesus will you make me clean. And Jesus takes hold of the man. I wonder how long it had been. Since the man had been touched. I wonder how long it had been since the man had been embraced. I wonder how many years this man went without a hug. See, Jesus knew that this man needed more than a healing. He needed love. Jesus knew that this man ultimately needed love. There were many cases in the Bible where Jesus healed somebody with a spoken word. He didn't have to touch them. But he chose to touch him anyway. And he takes hold of this man. And he takes hold of this man. He says, I am willing. I am willing. Lord, if you are willing, make me clean again. And Jesus reached out and says, I am willing. Impact Church, I don't know if you're feeling what I'm revealing right now. What I'm trying to tell you is that we serve a God that is willing. We serve a God that is willing to receive the rejected. We serve a God that is willing to love the unliked. We serve a God that is willing to clean up the dirty parts of my life. We serve a God that is willing to forgive whom everybody else crucifies. Who's willing to forgive your darkest sins and failures. He's willing to set free the drug addict. He's willing to heal your body and your mind and your emotions. He's willing to give you a second chance in life. He's willing to put the broken pieces back together. He's willing that when everybody else is walking out on you, God is walking in on you because that's the God we serve. He is a God that is willing. Look at somebody and tell him he's willing. Come on, he's willing. He's willing because he is the miracle. He is the miracle. He is the miracle. He's not afraid to walk into the Samarias of your life. He's not afraid of your past. He's not afraid of your history. He's not afraid of what everyone else might think. He's not afraid of how corrupt we become. He's willing. He's not afraid to go... Hey, let me tell you something about the Jesus we serve. He ain't afraid to meet you at the strip club. He ain't afraid to show up at the drug house. He ain't afraid to show up in that prison cell. He ain't afraid to show up with the rejects of society. He's willing because he, he is a miracle. 
and I just think that we need to be bridge builders because the devil's doing his best in the world that we live in today to control puppets, to build walls. He's trying to get you to be against other people. No, Jesus is a bridge builder. In my, in my humble opinion, the worst thing for the United States of America is a two political system. Get rid of it. We're Americans. We are Americans. We are Americans. Some people are more loyal to their political status than they are to their biblical status. And he was a bridge builder. He tore down walls and he built up bridges. And, and, and so think of it. He, he, he's in Samaria, setting at Jacob's well, talking to a Samaritan woman. And he's asking her, can you please give me a drink? She's baffled. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? She's confused. Not only that, but by tradition, a rabbi was not permitted to speak with a woman in public, not even with his own wife. So she's confused. Let's continue reading, starting in verse 10. And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor, Jacob? This is good stuff, you guys. This is good stuff. Jacob gave us this well. And how? And how can you offer better water than our ancestor, Jacob, who gave us his well? You can't offer it. His sons enjoyed it. His animals enjoyed it. It was some good, clean stuff, man. (laughs) Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. It's okay to clap for God's word. I want you to write down number two. Number two, I want you to write this down because we need to do this as well and understand this as well is that the world cannot satisfy. The world cannot satisfy. There's nothing on earth that can truly satisfy. You've heard this saying that there's a God-shaped hole in every soul that only Jesus can fit into. He is the custom fit. He is built For the hole in your soul. You can try sticking everything inside that hole. You can try drugs. You can try a woman. You can try a man. A relationship. You can try a job. A career. You can become the most educated person in the world. You can try everything. Money. Material possessions. There is nothing that can fulfill and satisfy that God-shaped hole that's in your soul other than God. In fact, everything else that you try to shove in there, it only leads to spiritual emptiness and more emptiness and more hunger and more thirst. It's almost like you're thirsting to death and you see water and you say it looks wet 
It rolls like it's wet, but it's ocean water. It's salt water, but I'm thirsting to death. And you go drink the salt water and it only makes you worse. It only makes you thirstier. Some of y'all never been to the ocean. Let me say it a different way. It's like drinking Dasani bottled water. You ever had Dasani? It's owned by the devil. It looks like water. It looks like it will satisfy. It looks like it will hydrate. It does not. It's got sodium in it. The entire intention of Dasani is putting arenas for a reason to make you buy another one and another one and another one. I mean, I drink 15 Dasanis at the Suns game and I'm thirstier than when I started. What I'm trying to tell you is that you can keep shoving everything else in and you're just going to end up thirstier and more hungry. Have you heard me tell this story about how hunters hunt wolves in the snow? I don't know if you've heard this, but you're about to. The hunter, he wants to get him a, a wolf. And so he takes his knife and he coats it with animal blood and then he freezes it with a layer of ice and then he coats it with another layer of blood and he freezes it third layer of blood and he freezes it. it's got three layers of blood and three layers of ice and he goes out into the night and he sticks his knife in the ground with the blade facing up and the wolf smells blood and so the wolf doesn't realize it's not an animal i smell animal blood and it starts licking on the edge of the knife And it gets through the first layer of ice and then it tastes blood. Oh boy, now I'm even hungrier for this. I'm even thirstier for this. It starts licking more feverishly through the second layer of ice into the second layer of blood, into the third layer of ice, into the third layer of blood. Pretty soon the wolf's mouth is completely numb from the ice and it starts licking the keen edge of the blade, trying to get more, doesn't realize his mouth is cut open from every direction and now he's drinking his own blood and he dies. Isn't that a great Sunday morning uplifting story for church? This story is not about the wolf, it's about humanity. That we get thirsty and we hunger for things that can't satisfy. And then we get a little taste and then, oh, I got to have more and I got to have more. And we lust after the things of the world. We lust after the things of the flesh and we consume things that we think will fulfill us that eventually kill us. That's why Jesus said this. He said, anyone who drinks this water, they will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give... We'll never be thirsty again. What water? A relationship with Jesus Christ. He is what fulfills. He is what satisfies. He is the Messiah. And he is the miracle. In the first sermon that Jesus ever preached, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts off with something called the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, 6, He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled for righteousness. What is righteousness? Jesus Christ. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after Jesus Christ. They will be filled. 
Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, give me this water. Please give me this water. I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come get water. (laughs) The Samaritan woman has no idea what he's talking about. And no idea who she's talking to. God, give me this water, Jesus. I'll never be thirsty again. And this, this is going to bring me to number three. I want you to write this down. Number three is that worship is not about a place. It's about a person. It's about a person. You know how we all say that saying, I'm going to church today. You know, that's actually biblically inaccurate. You're not going to church. You are the church. You, you are the church. So you ought to say, I'm bringing church to the impact building because I'm not going to ch-. You are the church. Worship is not about a place. It's about a person. I want you to look at this again. Verses 19 through 26. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Why did she say that? Because he said, go and get your husband. She goes, I don't have a husband. He goes, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with now, you're not even married. And she's like, sir, you must be a prophet. Like you think? (laughs) You must be a prophet. So tell me. Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's where Mount Gerizim and where our ancestors worship? Are y'all ready for this? This is like the most amazing moment in this story. In my opinion, Jesus's response. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. You and I, because of our relationship and being adopted into the family of God, are Jews. We're Christian Jews, but we are Jews. He says, if our salvation comes through the Jews... But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is a spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then the woman, still clueless, says... I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. He just did. (laughs) Verse 26, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I am the one. I am the miracle that you have been waiting on. I am the Messiah. This is a mic drop moment she's saying there's all this animosity y'all say we worship over here in jerusalem 
We say we worship over here on this mountain. Which one is it? Jesus says, neither are actually accurate. Because worship is not about a place. It's about a person. Worship is not about a mountain. It's not about a city. It's not about a building. It's about a person. It is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about a religion. It's about relationship with God Almighty. Jesus said, I came to tear down the walls of religion and build up the bridges of relationship. The woman is confused and he's saying, lady, I wish I could have been there to hear the the whole context. I mean, did he say, I am the Messiah? Did he say, I am the Messiah? We'll never know. Regardless of how he said it, it's what he said. I'm the Messiah. I am the miracle. And true worshipers, they're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And listen, Impact Church, this is the heartbeat. This is it. This is the heartbeat of impact worship. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about Amelia. It's not about Daniel. It's not about the band. They're really good, but it's not about how good the music is. Worship isn't even music. Worship includes music and singing and dancing and clapping and instruments. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship. Remember I shared last week, Romans 12, one, this is, if you wanted a purpose statement of impact church worship. This is it. Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, it's about giving your life away. It's about Laying your life down for Christ because he laid his life down for you. Matthew 7, I don't know if you know this, but the song that we wrote, He is a Miracle, it's laced with scripture. My opinion, the best songs include scripture. The very words of Jesus in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open to him because he is the miracle. He is the miracle that we've been waiting for. I have some fun things that I want to tell you, but before I do, I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I I want you to know that Jesus paid 
the ransom by dying on the cross for you. He gave up his life to have a relationship with you. And listen, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're here today and you were to die this week, you don't know if you'd go to heaven. You don't know. You don't know. And today you want to take a step of faith and say, you know what, PT, you're talking to me. I need Jesus. I need this miracle you're speaking of. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if today you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand. Would you raise it right now? Raise it right now. I'm going to try to see the hands. And there's a lot. Keep them up for just a minute. If your, hand, if your hand is up, I, I want you to pray. You can, you can pray quietly from your heart, but I, I just want you to pray this, this prayer. I want you to say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for giving me yours. I want to live for you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being the miracle of my life. Thank you for grace and mercy, unconditional love, second chances, new life. Thank you. Thank you for the cross and paying that price. Lord, I thank you for the people of Impact Church, the family of Impact Church today. God, we lay our lives down at your feet at the altar and we present our bodies as living sacrifices and we just pray, God, that it's holy, it's acceptable to you and it is true worship. It is true worship. Thank you for being willing. Thank you for being willing to die for us. Let us be willing to live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.